Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you have a disciplined walk with Jesus? Our Heavenly Father desires all of us to become devout and disciplined followers of Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's open our Bibles now to Hebrews chapter 12 and see what the Word of God has to say. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to another teaching. Uh, today is Monday. It's February 22nd. It's around 1220 in the afternoon here in Texas. By the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, uh, the intense, uh, probably once in a lifetime, Texas blizzard freeze uh, has subsided and has been overwhelmed in the blessing of the heat of the sun. I won't get too carried away. I was about to say in the heat of the son of God in Jesus, but you know, it all plays together because the Bible says that Jesus created the sun and the moon and the earth in the universe. You remember Colossians chapter one, it says by him and through him, all things were created in Jesus. And so by the mercy of God, our father, the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Um, all the snow is gone. All the ice is gone. We're enjoying a 60 degree day uh, Fahrenheit in, uh, in Texas today. And uh, we thank you, Lord Jesus. It's been a, uh, it was a, it was a, it was a crazy week for us. Uh, really none of us who have lived our lives in Texas have experienced anything like this to this extent. We had massive power outages and, uh, and as I said in a previous podcast, we're trying to, we always want to see what the Lord is trying to, to convey to us or teach us during these things. We've been going through a tremendous COVID um, uh, process here where the whole world has been uh, shut down in so many ways. And as I've said, we want to really see what, what Jesus is, is really working to show us and teach us as, as Christians. So thank you, Lord Jesus. So the uh, the sun is out today and uh we are here and uh, today we're going to discuss we'll probably only get through four verses i hope uh to get through you know verse 13 um but today i you know we may only get through verse 4 we're in uh i'm sorry hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 4 um it was interesting by the by the providence of, of God, I, uh, you know, I was preparing for this, for this podcast and the teaching and I got a, uh, I received a text unsolicited from a, from a brother in Christ of mine. He's a, he's a solid, solid man of God, amazing family. And, and he's not the type of man to just consistently send unsolicited correspondence. When you, when you do teachings like this, or when you're in ministry, uh, oftentimes, you know, people consistently feel led to, to share things. And that's a good thing. We welcome that at Kingdom Discipleship. But um, when we share things with other brothers and sisters in Christ, we want to do it in a way that's, uh, 
you know, we're, 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 we're waiting on the Lord and we're sharing things that, that are certainly biblical and things that are in Christ. And we need that. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're not called to share, you know, four or five things a day, every day. And, you know, and so there's a balance to that. And this man, this brother of mine, his name is, is Rap, actually, R-A-P, a strong name. And, uh, you know, he gave me a word today. He, he shared a, uh, just his heart on what the Lord, you know, uh, his heart for me was. Um, it was very encouraging. But then he, in a, in a very, uh, you know, in a, in a very loving way, shared that he thought the Lord was sharing something with me about, about, you know, just stepping up my discipline, you know, and we all know what, what discipline is, right? Discipline, there are, there are two meanings to discipline, but they actually, they do work together. Uh, discipline in Christ, when you discipline yourself, you're disciplining yourself to walk with Jesus. I've often said discipline is what we do when we don't feel like it, right? Rap. Meaning, I don't feel like reading my Bible today, but I'm going to discipline myself and do it. Um, Becky, I don't feel like praying today, so to speak. There's times I don't feel like praying, but I'm going to go ahead and, and discipline myself and spend time in prayer. You know, cash, cotton, you know, we always don't want to, uh, to really be thankful to the Lord. But the scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5, be thankful in all circumstances. So we ought to have times of thanksgiving every day where we just spend time thanking Jesus, thanking our Heavenly Father, thanking our thanking the Holy Spirit. Um, and so we want to live lives of, of intentional discipline. You know, now we also want to be led by the Lord and we want to live in freedom, but freedom is not the absence of discipline. The Bible tells us, you know, in famous verses in Matthew 28, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. It's interesting. He didn't say go and make churches. He didn't say go and make Christians. He said, go and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, we actually, we actually get our English word discipline from the Latin word Disciple. So a disciple is, by very nature, if we're true disciples of Jesus, we're disciplined followers of Jesus Christ. And Rap and I were discussing today that, as we probably won't get to these verses today, but later in the verses, down from verses, uh, verses 5, 6, 7, and onward, it talks about how our Heavenly Father disciplines us as children. And now in this context, discipline is, is how he, he punishes us. You know, discipline is how, when you discipline your children, and that's not a popular teaching in Christianity today. It says that, you know, in verse seven, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons for what son is not disciplined by his father. And it's going to go on to say discipline isn't pleasant, right? And so we do discipline our children. Now, it's not that we enjoy that. And certainly our Heavenly Father doesn't want to discipline us. It's not his desire to discipline us no more than a Rap and Becky want to discipline their children. They take no enjoyment from it. However, you know, when, when their children 
do not behave in a way that's consistent with the word of God, the son of God, and the heart of God, then Rapp and Becky will implore discipline. They will bring the discipline because they love their children. And this scripture teaches us that our heavenly father does it naturally all the more. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, and, you know, we were discussing how we would prefer Rap and I to discipline ourselves, to live a lifestyle of discipline, uh, to be disciplined disciples of Jesus Christ so as to prevent our Heavenly Father having to step in and, and discipline us. Um, and hopefully that makes sense to everyone, that, that you want to live a life, uh, a disciplined life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if you are a, a, a true Christian and you've been saved and you've received Jesus Christ into your heart, God the Father is your Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is your Lord, your Savior, your Master, your King, your God, you're His Bride. The Holy Spirit is your guide, your comforter, your counselor. They're all God. And, and your heavenly father is a father in heaven. C.S. Lewis said that, that we really don't want a father in heaven. We'd prefer a grandfather in heaven. You know, a grandfather comes and he plays with the kids and he has a good time and they misbehave and he doesn't do anything because he's just the grandfather, so to speak, right? Where a father in heaven you know, is a father who loves us. And because he loves us, he does discipline us where we need it. So today, thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, we're going to, we're going to work on uh, Hebrews again, chapter 12, verses one through four. We'll go ahead and pray. And then uh, we're going to invite the Lord into our time and we'll read it and then we'll get rolling. Well, father, we do thank you for your mercy and your favor and your goodness on our lives. Father, we do love you and we thank you that, that you love us. And, and Father, I confess that, that I, don't, I don't like your discipline. I really don't, Lord. Um, but I know it's good for me. I know that I'm better off for it. And Father, your word says in Hebrews 12 that it, it's confirmation that I'm your son. And because you love me, you discipline me. Um, but Father, I ask you to help us one and all to, uh, to really begin to live a, a, a lifestyle in Christ of, of disciplining ourselves in our walk with Jesus Christ in every aspect of our walk um, that we might, might not have to undergo as much discipline from you, Lord. Jesus, we just worship you and we thank you and we praise you, our only Lord and Master and King and Savior and God. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And then verse 5 goes on to say, And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons, and that means sons and daughters. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. And I don't enjoy rebuke from my heavenly father, but apparently I need it. He, he sent it to me today in a correspondence from my, my brother Rep. Thank you, Lord. Uh, it says, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. You know, parents, y'all, you know, unless there's something wrong with us, we don't enjoy punishing or disciplining our children. We don't. It's not enjoyable. But, but, it, but it, it has to be done. And the reason it has to be done, regrettably, is because we do have a nature, a rebellious nature, a sinful nature. And when we come to Jesus Christ, we receive a new nature. But regrettably, the old nature is not eradicated. It's still there. I still like my own way. I do. I like my own way all the time. And I consistently need to look at my life and discipline myself, oftentimes from laying down what I want, you know, and, uh, you know, being willing to, to be cooperative. Now, now, hear me on this. Never do you ever compromise the word of God. To give someone their way. I'm saying if you guys are going out to dinner tonight and you know, you know, I'm in the mood for, I don't know, McDonald's and my wife wants to, you know, to eat some amazing Chinese food. Uh, my wife is, is Singaporean. It's good for me to, to lay down my desires for a Big Mac and to let her eat, you know, chicken chow mein or you know or uh, broccoli chicken or uh you know um you know all the different dishes that she eats um and uh, and i eat it too you know we eat it a lot in our house um and so in these ways you know we can we can discipline ourselves to be more selfless to be more more loving to be more other centered to be more christ centered and that's the heart of our Heavenly Father. So, so discipline has many, many facets. All right, verse 1. The first question we always ask ourselves, Cash, is what? Why is this in the Bible, Esther? Why, are Ireland, did the Lord include this in the Scriptures? Why, Chris, is, did the Holy Spirit make this Holy Scripture? And in Romans 15, 4, it says very clearly, the Apostle Paul writes, that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us or to instruct us. It's not here just to, to be a good story or for us to just read it as just an interesting story or interesting words. Hey, this is an interesting letter to the, to the Jewish Christians, the, to Hebrews. Um, it's written there to teach us, to teach you and to teach me as disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, so it's here to teach us, not just to be an entertaining story, to instruct us. And then 1 Corinthians 10, verses 6 and 11, Paul says, he's quoting the Old Testament. He says, these things, he was talking about a, a story in the Old Testament relating to Moses, and he said, these things are written down as examples to us. So when we read the word of God, we want to see what is the example to us. And that's why it's in the Bible. 
Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's a lot in there. Um, when he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, in the previous chapter, I believe there were 18 examples of just incredible men and women of God that walked with Jesus, that walked with God in incredible ways. And we, when we read it, we bear witness. They were witnesses of how to live your life for Jesus Christ. Incredible witnesses. When we look at their witness, so to speak, it's just an incredible, incredible um, chapter. Hebrews 11 is one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. It's, it's a, they call it a hall of fame, so to speak. And of, of how incredible men and women walked with Jesus through incredible difficulty, incredible hardship, incredible just uh, oppression. Wow. Um, and when we see that, we observe their witness. Now, I'm going I'm to tell you another secret. When we get to heaven, we're going to find that the Lord has included you know, many, many, many more. Uh, Hebrews 11, I believe, has, has 18 different people that it accounts. But there's going to be people when you get to heaven that, that weren't famous and no one knew them. But, you know, they served Jesus Christ and they bore witness to Jesus Christ. They witnessed for Jesus Christ and proclaiming Jesus Christ. And, uh, and we'll have never known who they were on earth, but they'll be well known in heaven. Um, others take this to mean that the people in Hebrews 11 um, are looking down on us. Um, that's, that is certainly a possibility. It's more improbable um, because, remember, in heaven, there will be no grief. There will be no sadness. There will be mo no pain. There'll be no difficulty, May. Sweetheart, May is my wife. I was, I was speaking about her when I said sweetheart. Um, that's not as likely because to have to look down from heaven on the consistent affairs of what's going on on earth uh, it, it cannot be a consistently pleasant experience. So this probably, probably does not mean that there is this, this you know, that all the saints in heaven are looking down on us because... You know, help us, Lord Jesus, if that is the case. Um, and, and like I said, it's, it's, it's probable because there is no grief or sadness or pain. And there is so much pain in the world. And when we leave this life, we leave that behind. When you leave this life, there will be no remembrance of the sadness and the pain and the hurt and the grief and all that we're going through in this life. And that's one of the exciting things we look forward to. It's going to say in verse two here to fix your eyes on Jesus. And we're going to get into that. There's really not really, there is nothing more important than that. So 
We are surrounded by this incredible, huge, massive, 18 of them are named. I believe it's 18 in Hebrews 11. And there, there are countless more. And they, they bore witness to Jesus Christ. They were incredible witnesses for Jesus Christ. And they are an incredible example to us as we read throughout the scriptures. And since we have this incredible, overwhelming example, Cotton, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. The first thing I want to say is it's, I think it's notable that there are things that hinder us that are not sin. You see that? Um, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And you can even see a progression. Right, Rap? We, first of all, we may, we may have aspects in our life, and I, I know I do, and I guess may get to again to my brother's text to me today, but there are things in our life that are hindering our walk with Jesus, our fruit for Jesus, and they're not yet sin. Now let, let that go deep. I didn't write this. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, the more you walk in things that hinder your walk with Jesus, and what can be something that's hindering our walk? Maybe you're watching five hours of TV a day. There's no sin in watching television. Five hours a day, almost certainly hindering your walk with Jesus. Maybe you like playing that Xbox or PlayStation. Maybe your thing is social media. Maybe, you know, I even, you know, when you look at the stats, do you know the average person opens like their Instagram or Snapchat like 200 times a day? I don't even know how you can press that button that much, right? If you're, if you open that Instagram 200 times a day, that's, that's hindering you. Okay. It's not sin. Okay. Now, if you open that social media, or you turn on that TV and you're watching things that are inappropriate. Now you have moved into sin. Okay. So the first observation in this scripture, are there things that hinder us? And we need to discipline ourselves to step away from the things that hinder us. What are the things that are hindering you in your life today, Chloe? What are the things, Kimberly, Diedrich, what are the things in your life that are that are hindering you. Staran. We're supposed to throw off, the Hebrew writer says here. The word of God says, throw off everything that hinders. So there are things in our life, again, and, and, I, and again, this bears repeating. That's why I'm repeating it, um, Scott, that are hindering you and hindering me. And, um, you, know, maybe, you know, maybe you just have a tendency to talk too much about what's going on. And that in other people's lives, and then pretty soon you've moved into gossip, which is sin. Okay? It says to throw it off. The Hebrew writer says, just throw it off you. I mean, you, you, it, it's an aggressive move. It's something that, and, and, and notice this. He says, let us throw it off. That means the Lord's not going to do it for you. You have to throw it off. I have to throw it off, Stephen. We have to throw off. What's hindering us, Becky? You have to throw it off. He's not going to do it for you. You're told to do it yourself. He'll empower you to do it. The Holy Spirit will help you to do it. But by the grace of God, you are going to have to cooperate with the grace and mercy of God and throw it off, Chris. 
Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So, so you see that things that hinder us, then they move into sin, which does entangle us. And it, and, it, and it bounds you. What do you think of when you think of entanglement? It's almost like a vine that's got you all wrapped up, right? And you're bound. And when you're bound, you're not bearing fruit for the kingdom of God or the fruit you're bearing is, is not as bountiful as it would be if you just, if you would throw it off. And I'll say again, back to the point. We're going to need to discipline ourselves. This is not easy. This takes discipline. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles the first thing we've been told to do and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us jesus has marked out a race for you gwenda there's a race marked out for you gabriel there's a race marked out for damon and susan there's a race marked out for all of us. And we're told to run it with perseverance. I mean, there's these words again. We're going to have to cooperate and persevere. To persevere means you're, you're having to do it even when it's difficult. That there are obstacles in your way. and you got to keep running. You notice he uses the word run. It's an active thing. It's not a passive thing. We have to run. Golly, help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord Holy Spirit, I do ask you to lead us and guide us that we would run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Forgive us, Father, where we have, where we just so consistently stop running. Lord, sometimes I just, I just want to rest. I'm sorry. And in the times that I just, I don't want to run anymore, it's funny how I move in to things that hinder me. And then even the sin that just entangles me. And the way that's going to happen is you got to throw it off and then keep running. Keep running. Boom, you slow down. You get hit. You get up. You keep persevering. You keep running. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for you. I will say here uh, very clearly, it's important we all understand this. This has literally nothing to do with your salvation. Okay? This has nothing to do with getting saved having your sins forgiven and going to heaven. That's not what the Hebrew writer is talking about here. This is talking about after you've been saved. If you have never in your life come to Jesus Christ, Romans 10 verse 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you, out of your belief in Christ, have you called on him? Have you gone to Jesus and prayed? Have you prayed, Lord Jesus, I, I confess that I'm a sinful person. I know I can't save myself, Lord. I'm hopeless without you. But Jesus, I believe you lived a perfect life for me. Jesus, I believe you died a perfect death for me. And Lord Jesus, I believe you're alive and risen. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I call on you, Jesus, and ask you now, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Save me from my sin and bring me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence in you alone to save me. And to be my everlasting Lord and God. The Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you haven't done that, stop this podcast wherever you are. Or whoever you are in the world. Stop. Rewind it. 
and you want to pray that prayer as sincerely and meaningfully as you can, and you'll be saved. Saved means you'll be saved from your sin. You'll be saved from eternal hell. God the Father will become your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ will become your Lord, your Savior, your Master, your King, your God. You'll be his bride. You're the bride of Christ. The Holy Spirit will become your, your counselor, your comforter, your guide. And you will be in relationship. You will begin a relationship with the triune God. Wow. Now, that salvation experience has nothing to do with you. That's dependent completely and totally on Jesus Christ alone. You're saved entirely by trusting in what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf and in your place. Now, after that, you become a Christian. A Christian is someone who's truly trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They've called on Jesus. Jesus is living inside of them. Your spirit is one with the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. You're one. You're married to Jesus Christ right now. You're a Christian. You're going to heaven. But now the goal of your life is to move from becoming a Christian to becoming a disciple. And there we are back at that word again. We've come round about here. Okay. Now, a Christian, again, is someone who's trusted in Jesus Christ. They're saved. They're going to heaven. A disciple something different. Jesus said, go and make disciples. But you got to be a Christian before you can be a disciple. You have to be saved. You have to be born again. We can't disciple spiritually dead people. Okay. A disciple now is a disciplined follower of Christ. Someone who spends time with Jesus Christ. Someone laboring to grow in relationship with Jesus Christ, Jason. And that's exciting. And Brother Jason's always encouraging me about, about, about the hope we have. And there is nothing more exciting than that. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ and being discipled by Jesus Christ and helping others to be disciples of Jesus Christ. It's the meaning of life. Nothing else matters. Jesus said, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6, 33. That means, um, you know, right understanding. The righteousness of Christ is yours when you get saved. But then right living. And everything else will be hand, you know, you know, will take care of itself. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will be given to you, Jesus said. Everything else will fall into place. If you have a lifestyle, a disciplined lifestyle, rap of seeking Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Again, beginning at salvation, when you get saved, I've told, I, I say this over and over and over, the exchange of the gospel, the remarkable exchange of the Christian gospel is that when you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, called on him to be the Lord of your life, all of your sin, past, present, and future sin, is credited to Jesus at the cross. Jesus opens his arms the, the, the nail that you nailed his left hand to the cross and I nailed his right. He opens those arms and receives all of your sin into himself on the cross, past, present, and future. And that's not it, though. And in, the, in this incredible, beyond comprehensible idea, in the sovereignty of God, once Jesus receives all of your sin in return... He gives you and credits you with his perfect righteous life. C.S. Lewis said, 
that this is not something the mind of man would ever, ever, ever make up. It's the glorious truth in exchange of the Christian gospel is that when you receive Jesus, all of your sin, past, present, and future is credited to Jesus at the cross in his perfect, righteous life that he lived on earth is actually credited to you. It's, it's remarkable. It cannot even... It, 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 uh. Father, we just, we love you and we bless you and we thank you and we praise you, Lord. We just, we worship you. We thank you for the word of God. Father, we thank you above all for the son of God, who is the word of God. Holy Spirit, we just, uh, we just thank you and we worship you and we love you. We praise you. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to get past verse one today. Um, you know, I'm sitting here. I got this big mic. I got, I got two, two very big screens. And there's a clock over there that says 33 minutes and two seconds that I've been talking. And, you know, verse two says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And that's where we're going to stop. You want to fix your eyes on Jesus today, wherever you are, whoever you're with. You want to take your eyes off your beautiful wife and fix it on Jesus. You can look at her again later, okay? The goal of our lives, beginning at salvation, and then Every moment of our lives is to grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus. But in order to do that, you're going to have to keep looking to Jesus, thinking about Jesus, having your mind on Jesus, fixing your eyes on Jesus. But we live in a world, Peyton, where our eyes are fixed on countless other things. We're going to have to take our eyes off some things. We're going to have to discipline ourselves to do that as well if we are going to fix our eyes on Jesus. Okay? And this is not, this is not rocket science here, Dustin. Right? If I have my eyes fixed on the basketball game, that's fine. There's no condemnation in that. Jesus is okay if we, if we enjoy a hobby. But in the moment that I have my eyes focused on that basketball game, I do not have my eyes fixed on Jesus, my mind fixed on Jesus, okay? Jesus doesn't mind if you enjoy a TV show or look at some social media. As I've already said, if you're doing it five hours a day, undoubtedly that's hindering you, and you're out of balance, and you need to discipline yourself. As I said in the beginning, you surely want to do that before your heavenly Father comes in and brings the discipline, Armando, right? Ezekiel, we don't want our Heavenly Father to bring the discipline. No more than a child who has a proper fear of their parents, knowing that if they go over the line, mom and daddy are going to bring the discipline. We want to have a proper fear of God, which certainly does mean in awe and respect of God, but it does, it does mean a little more than that. It does mean to know that you have a certain fear that daddy's watching and he loves you. And he'll discipline you. It has nothing to do with your salvation. Your father, if you're in Jesus Christ, 
The discipline will never, never, ever include, you know, that has anything to do with your eternal destiny. That's secure in Jesus Christ. But it will make for an unpleasant life. And so we do fear, you know, if it should be love that drives us, that lives to live for our father. But sometimes I confess I don't love him as I ought to, but I do fear him. And regrettably, sometimes that's not even enough. And I have undergone my share of discipline. But the, the key to it all is to fix our eyes on Jesus. On Jesus, Abe. You need to fix your eyes on Jesus, Matthew. Um, think about what you fix your eyes on. Because whatever you concentrate on, whatever you focus on, whatever you put your thoughts on, right? The proverb says, you know, as people think, so they are. As a man thinketh, so he is. That means, and when that says man, it means man and woman. It means whatever you think about the most, that's what you're concerned about the most, that's what you love the most. Your eyes need to be fixed, locked in on Jesus. Really, the more we lock our eyes in on Jesus, the more everything else will dissipate. Okay? And in that place, you can begin to know Christ in deeper relationship. You can begin to know his love. You can begin to love others with his love. Then when you open your eyes and you see other people, you can begin to see him as Christ sees them. Begin to love them as Christ loves them. Wow. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Lord Jesus, we do love you. And we profess, Lord, there is, there is no more beautiful sight than Jesus Christ, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King and God. Lord, we are your bride. We are the bride of Christ. Lord, we're, we're one with you. We're the body of Christ Jesus, and we worship you. We love you. We praise you. We honor you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us this day to more and more and more take our eyes off the things of the world and the people of the world and to, and to, to fix our eyes and our thoughts and our mind on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and King and God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the incredible word of God, the inerrant, infallible, holy scriptures. We thank you, Father, for giving us your word. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for redeeming us. We thank you for being our Father in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you to go ahead of us today to lead us and to guide us and help us to love you more and to know your love more. In Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake, amen and amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.